Good morning. It's a joy, a privilege, a delight, and an honor for Brother Ian and myself to come and share God's Word with you once again, perhaps in your home, perhaps in your cell group, or who knows, even in your very church. We're going to continue with our subject, the baptism into the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we're going to concentrate on one of the major purposes that I believe of the baptism into the Holy Spirit, and that being discrimination. But before we begin teaching on discrimination, I need to share a prayer request with you. It's rather a very urgent prayer request, and I trust even as we shared with you that God the Holy Spirit will lay upon your heart a spirit of intercession as such for our ministry. I hold here in my hand a book that I'm busy with, and it's entitled Pneumatology, the baptism into the Holy Spirit. No doubt you see the top drawer file in document 21. In fact, I'm busy with five books at the moment. And let me tell you how that these five books have come about. For several years, I've been helping out in the Tongan community and uh, teaching at one of their churches, Amazing Grace Fellowship. And every Monday, I uh, was helping out there and I ministered on various subjects. And um, no doubt, I taught five subjects there and I began preparing the notes for these subjects and they ended up as books as such, but sad to say, incomplete books. Um, I've got the baptism into the Holy Spirit, Genesis, the seedbed of doctrine, uh, uh, the light of the world, which deals with uh, the book of Zerubbabel, chapter 4, and then also um, uh, the, the role of music in the church, and the other one, what's the other one? Yes, the other one is, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So I've got these five books all incomplete. And what I need for you to pray for is God to give me a divine miracle. For God once again to take me out of secular work and to, me, to bring me back into full-time ministry as such. All my, and Brother Ian as well. Pray for Brother Ian as well because he will be with me in the ministry being uh, doing all the administration as such for the ministry not just the videoing you'll be doing the books printing the books looking after everything as such that Calvary ministry uh, of God has been called for and unto so please pray for the ministry as such for God to make a way there's so much that God has laid upon our heart and we believe that through the ministry of the body of Christ through the praise of the body of Christ that God will help us to fulfill our calling as such and our destiny. Remember, I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, and I believe it was a word of God to many ministers, and that being your purpose determines your vision. What your purpose is, that determines your vision. So let's turn to the word of God as we continue our subject this morning. And we do a reading from Acts chapter 2 and verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out in my spirit in those days. May God add his blessing to the reading of his precious and holy word. 
as a South African, I grew up in the period of apartheid. If ever there were people that suffered under discrimination, it was the people of South Africa. And thank God that we were delivered from white domination. But what I will say is this, and I'm speaking now to my fellow South Africans, white domination was evil, but my brothers and my sisters, black domination is just as evil. So this morning, as we speak upon discrimination, we trust that God will quicken our spirits and that God will also deliver us from this evil known as discrimination. Now, the two discriminations that the Holy Spirit deals with is the discrimination against gender and the discrimination against age. It's important that we define discrimination. Just what is discrimination? Well, the dictionaries, most of them agree, and they say unfair treatment of a person, unfair treatment of a racial group, unfair treatment of a minority, an action based on prejudice, or the ability to see fine distinctions and differences. Let me say that again. The ability to see fine distinctions and differences. Then some synonyms for discrimination. Bias attitude, favoritism, prejudice, unfairness, bigotry, and intolerance. Now, when you consider discrimination, let me say all forms of discrimination are evil. God in no way is associated with any form of discrimination for the simple reason it is sin. The word is clear. God so loved the world. God accepts all people. There's not one ethnicity, not one racial group, and by the word, by the way, I hate that word racial, but I'm saying it for teaching purpose. There's not one racial group that God discriminates against. He loves the entire world, and He sent His only begotten Son to die for all humanity. There are those, perhaps, that believe that God has favorites, and some cite the choosing of the Jewish nation. Let me just say one thing very clearly about God's choice of the Jewish nation. God chose the Jewish people among the nations, not above the nations. Let me repeat myself. God does not play favoritism. God chose the, new, the Jewish nation not to be above, rather chosen from among the nations. And that's very, very important. How clear is the scripture of Romans chapter 2 verse 11? For there is no respecter of persons with God. In the original language of the New Testament, the word for respect is prosopolipsia, which means favoritism, partiality. And it's good for you to look up the Strong's Greek concordance to get the ultimate meaning 
of the word. And the numbers are 4382-4381. Two more scriptures that I love and I know deals with eradicating, eradicating any form of discrimination. And that is Acts 2.21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10.13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God is not partial. God does not play the favorite game. Whoever calls on the Lord shall be saved. Now, though this be true of God, that God is no respecter of persons, and God discriminates in no way, however, we must ask ourselves the question, what of the church? Does the church in any way discriminate? If you read the word of God carefully, my brother and my sister, sad to say, the church is full of expressions of discrimination. You know what, Joe? There's a verse that I'm thinking of. Yes. And it says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Thank you, Ian. The Lord has spoken through Ian. Amen. And you'll notice in my ministry, Ian shares at any time he can just share because I know the Spirit of God is also upon my dear brother that assists me every week in what I do for the Lord. Now, has the church the very same attitude as God? No. Has the church the same attitude as Jesus? No. Has the church the same attitude as the Spirit of God and all three being God? Sadly, my answer is no, no, no. Discrimination is one of the several flaws within the church of Jesus Christ. There is this one area where the head and the body is not in agreement. That being... Jesus, the head of the church, and his church being the body of Christ, are not in agreement one with the other. God, the Christ, the head of the church, shows forth no discrimination whatsoever. Whereas the church, that is sections of the church, not all of the church, shows some dire forms and awful expressions of discrimination. Let me mention the two areas that we are going to speak about, these two awful areas of discrimination that the Holy Spirit deals with through the baptism into the Holy Spirit. In other words, through the baptism into the Holy Spirit, the Lord addresses discrimination. He deals against it. Discrimination number one, gender discrimination. Gender number two, age discrimination. Now, I must reinforce the teaching, the purpose of our teaching. We believe that the evidence of having received the baptism into the Holy Ghost, the initial evidence is what? Speaking in tongues. But there are more than just uh, 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 evidences of just speaking in tongues. The other purposes that is associated with the baptism into the Spirit also shows that we have now received the baptism into the Spirit. And if we are discriminating 
as such one against the other, then I'm sad to say, I wonder if our baptism into the Spirit is a disappointing one or whether it's a blessed one of God. So what I'm saying is this, that the baptism with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues is of God. But it's more than that, as I say every week. It's more than that. The other purposes are also evidences that one is baptized into the Holy Ghost. Now, how does the Word view gender? In other words, how does the Word of God view the gender of male and female? What does the Word of God say about it? How does God expect you and I to deal with gender? Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Now this is outstanding. There is neither Jew, there is neither Gentile. There is neither male or female. There's no distinction whatsoever for the simple reason we are one in Christ. And like I said in the teaching of baptism, when we are born again, Christ comes into us. The Father comes into us. The Spirit of God comes into us. We become the Holy of Holies as such. And when God looks down from heaven, He doesn't see a male. He doesn't see a female. He sees a child of God washed in the blood of the Lamb. He sees Jesus, a new nature in you and I. Amen. Perhaps we should ask the question, why does large sections of the church enforce the gender discrimination? Well, we've got to be truthful for the simple reason that there is discrimination in the church and sadly some people base their gender discrimination on the Word of God. Let's read 1st Timothy chapter 2 verse 12. Paul speaking and no doubt, listen to me carefully, Paul is speaking by the Holy Ghost. What Paul is saying is nothing less but the Word of God. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Paul the Apostle deals with a very difficult topic, and time does not permit me to deal with that problem right now. But next week, at length, I'm going to deal with the ministry of a woman in the church. And you will be surprised that in no way am I going to contradict my brother Paul, the Apostle. But I'm going to show you from the Word of God that we have to take Paul's teachings in context. And if we take his teaching in context, we're going to see that the woman plays a vital and a very important role in the growth and the extension of the church. Now, using the words of Paul, he suffers a woman not to teach, and using the, the purpose of the baptism, one of the purposes of the baptism into the Holy Spirit, and that being to be a witness, and also the scripture that I read this morning. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Let's deal with these three words. And these three words will help us to understand that there is a definite ministry for women in our church this day.
Let's look at the words teach, witness, and prophesy. The first word teach in the Greek Strong's Concordance, number 1321, speaks of teaching as such a prolonged causative form of a primary verb deo to learn, to teach in the same broad application teach. Witness the Strong's Concordance number, the Greek 3144, and it says thus of uncertain affinity, a witness literally judicially, judicially, a martyr, record, and a witness. Prophesy, and the number there, Prophetos, pro, Prophetio, 4395, 4396, once again, the Strong's Greek Concordance. It means to foretell events, divine speak under inspiration, exercise the prophetic office, and that is to prophesy. Now, I ask you the question, who will foretell events? Now, who will speak under divine inspiration? Now, who will exercise the prophetic office? Now, who will prophesy? Acts 2.17 says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. The Holy Spirit accepts and endorses the witnessing and prophesying of woman. We've got to understand Paul's teaching not to teach. Paul's not allowing a woman to teach is another issue that must be taken in its context, and I will do my best next week to deal with the contextual teachings of Paul. Why, why is a part of the church so discriminate uh, 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 dis why does the, the modern day church discriminate so much against women not all of the church but part of the church well let's look at history let's look at history and sometimes history plays a part in our modern day you know you are what history teaches you at times but the point is this, we as the church now, we're going to move away from history and do that which the Spirit of God is teaching us to do in our day and age. Because not all of history is good history. Not so, Brother Ian? Not all of history is good history. No. And when you study history, you'll find this, and it's important, my brother and my sister, historically, the early church was by and large a Jewish church. All the apostles were Jews. That is the initial apostles, the foundation apostles on whom we are built. And we cannot deny the fact, listen to me very carefully, you cannot deny the fact if you study scripture carefully, that the early church was riddled with the spirit of discrimination. And <laughs> the classic example was Peter. God had said to these men distinctly and personally, go into all the world, all the world. It was not just a command given for the Jews, but to all the world. But they held back because historically they were influenced by their culture. And God had to deal with Peter God gave him a vision when he was up there on the roof waiting for his dinner or lunch or whatever to be served. God gave him a vision and God told him to eat 
what was there before him on the tablecloth. And what did he say to the Lord? I don't eat of the unclean. And what did God say? What I say is clean is clean. And no doubt this spoke of the fact that the gospel was for all mankind, the whosoever. So you see discrimination was rife there. And you know, it's not surprising people. I hope you are with me. I hope you are with me this morning. You find that, you, you, you know, the, the early church were confining themselves amongst the Jews. As much as there was to be a time of consolidating, of strengthening the church, you find that even when Saul of Tarsus came and brought persecution in and amongst the Christians, when they fled, many people cry, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! No weapon formed against the church can prosper. Amen! And the Bible says they fled from Saul of Tarsus, and wherever they went, they went preaching. Praise God, brother. But read your Bible carefully. Read Acts 8. Read Acts 11 as well. If you read it, the whole chapter, you'll find it. That they went preaching, but they only went to the Jews. Historically, their heart was filled with discrimination. Sad to say, it's the truth. But thank God the church of Antioch is born and we get a multicultural, a multi-ethnic church in Antioch. Now, the discrimination was not only towards other nationalities or cultures. The discrimination by the India, uh, brother Ian was also against women. And I'm going to deal with this at length next week. <laughs> Do you know, Ian, that a woman could not become a rabbi? was only for the men and in our modern day society there are still those Christians who believe a woman cannot be a minister of the gospel a woman historically in the Jewish faith could not be scholars of the law the very prayer of the Jewish men when something like this and it was the early morning prayer Ian, they would thank God Lord, I thank you, Lord, for choosing me. I'm not a Gentile. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for choosing me. I'm not a slave. Thank you, Lord, for choosing me. I'm not a woman. <laughs> Sad. I think they took what the Bible um, said, or there's something in the Bible that said that a woman should sit um, in church and be quiet, and if they have any questions, then ask their husbands at home. No, this is this I'm talking about the Jews. I'm not talking about the early church. I've dealt with that, Ian, and we're going to deal with it again next week. Yeah. You see, there's a, a distinction between suffer women to be silent, she not, should not teach in church, and there's a difference between being baptized in the Spirit. Because when you're baptized in the Spirit, you're made a witness. You're made a possible martyr. And being a witness is being filled with the Holy Ghost to speak as if... You were there, although you were not there concerning Christ. It's got nothing to do with teaching. Now I'm going to show you next week the distinction between not to teach and prophesying and witnessing. Two different things entirely. <laughs> Hallelujah. You got it here? Let me go on. Now, when you study the attitude of the Jewish people towards women, you know, <laughs> Some of the rabbis, the, what they call the Orthodox rabbi, even up to this day, and, and, and days gone by, when they were walking in the street, 
and if they were on the same street or pavement as the woman was, and the woman was approaching the rabbi, the rabbi would go over to the other side of the road. They discriminated against God's creation. Sounds like what happened in America in the 1950s, um, 60s, where blacks would have their side of the road that's and the whites it, would have the other that's it. Their that's side of the road. That's what I'm saying. Any form of discrimination is evil. And what we had, we, I grew up in South Africa, we had white domination, which was evil. Now we have in South Africa black domination. Both forms are evil. Any form of discrimination is evil. Ma the majority doesn't give you the right to discriminate against. Power doesn't give you the right to discriminate. The white people in South Africa initially, because of their political power, they discriminated. Now because of the majority, the black people are discriminated against the white people. And both forms of discrimination are evil. We need to be delivered from mm. discrimination, not only in the world, but in the church as well. Yeah, well in America there's a group called, and I think they're still around, called the Ku Klux Klan. Oh yes, 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 yes. But they've been dealt a death blow. And you know what? Their leader, one of their leaders, Johnny Kerry, uh, what's his name? He got saved. Praise God, yes, amen. And, amen. Now he's, and now he's speaking around the world and churches. Praise God. Now, as I said, the rabbis even avoided the woman. What an insult. What an insult to woman. They're good enough to bring uh, the world into the world. But they're not good enough to minister the word of God. What an insult. Now, let me say this. Before the Holy Spirit dealt with this problem, someone else dealt with this problem. And now who was this person? It was Jesus that dealt with this problem. Jesus dealt with the problem of discrimination towards a woman. And you know what? He uses a woman with a bad reputation to dispel discrimination. I read the chapter to you last week, John chapter 4, so I won't read it again. But where was Jesus? All alone with a woman. Wow. Where was Jesus all alone with a woman? At the well. At the well. The well, uh, was it Sica, the place? Uh, in Samaria? Samaria. Uh, first and foremost, let, let us look at the discrimination that Jesus deals with here uh, in John chapter 4. He deals with the discrimination of, of treating the Samaritans, uh, 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 racial discrimination, right? Then he deals with the discrimination against gender, against the woman. And let me, let me say this, it, she wasn't just any ordinary woman. She had five husbands. And the man that she was presently living with was not a husband. She was living out of wedlock. She was living in sin. She had what is common here in the country that we now reside. She had the partner mentality. Bigamy, isn't it called? <laughs> no, no, but she, they probably all had died. <laughs> so she was living with a man that she was not married with. Now, I, I mean, you, you, you know, what, what man of God would want to be seen in public and all alone with a woman that's got a bad reputation. Her reputation in was that bad that she could not walk with the other woman to, to get water. They came early in the morning before or, or just about sunrise. When did she come all alone? She came midday when the sun was at its brightest. 
just to avoid the insults. In fact, they didn't want her to be amongst them or else they'd be painted with the same brush. But Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, who is perfect and holy, does not care what people are going to say about him because he sits there at the well with the so-called bad woman. He doesn't discriminate against her, but he says, woman, if you are thirsty, come drink of me and I will give thee rivers of life. Hallelujah. Jesus deals with the gender problem. Jesus deals with the gender problem. He accepts that woman. And you know what? Listen to me carefully. We of the church that discriminate against the woman. Huh? That woman was barely saved, Ian. And Jesus said, okay now, I blessed you. You've accepted me as the Messiah. Hallelujah. Now, do me a favor. Do me a favor. You can't tell anyone about that because you haven't got the right to preach or to teach or to prophesy. He said nothing to her. She went back to her village and praise God. The Bible says she brought out an entire village to Jesus. She witnessed of the Christ. And Christ spoke to them for two or three days and the entire city was touched of God because Jesus did not discriminate against a woman. He allowed her to open her mouth and open it wide and speak about the goodness of Jesus Christ. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Now, so Jesus dealt with that problem, and then the Holy Spirit comes, and He deals with the problem. He says, in the last days I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Amen? Upon your sons and your daughters. And your young men shall say, dream, or that? Yes. Your young men shall say, dream, visions, and old men shall dream, dreams. Hallelujah. That's right, Ian. In fact, that's another area that I'm going to deal with now, that the church discriminates against. It discriminates against age. Hmm? Hmm. Right? Now I'm going to deal with it. But next week, we're going to go further into the discrimination against women. We're going to show you from the Word of God, if Jesus could sit at the well with a woman, and that woman can bring a city to, to Jesus and the city gets saved, and the Holy Spirit says that a woman can prophesy, can foretell the future, then who are we to stop women from having ministry in the church? And we're not going to contradict Apostle Paul. We're going to confirm what Apostle Paul is saying, but we're going to do it with the understanding that there are certain times that women must be stopped, but when it comes to witnessing, they cannot be stopped. Amen. Now, let me deal with now the second discrimination, and that is the discrimination against age. And I won't be long with this one, but the Bible says, Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. The whole concept that we have to understand is this. You know, where army is concerned, there are only certain groups of people that can enter into the army. Um, it's just now, the past, say, 20, 30 years, that women are being allowed to join the army and the navy. 
But prior to that, no woman was allowed in the army. It was only for males as such. Then also, I remember being told you had to be a certain height, a certain weight, etc., etc. There had to be no, no form of deformity uh, 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 on you as a person. If you had club feet, you couldn't enter the army. You had to be a certain age. You had to be 18 or 16. You couldn't enter the army when you were 14. You couldn't be over 30, I suppose. There had all these restrictions. All these restrictions in the army of nations. But let me tell you, there's no one too young. Glory! Glory! There's no one too young. There's no one too old. There's no one deformed enough to stay out of the army of God. All are enlisted in the army of Jesus Christ. The old and the young. I love this psalm. I think it's Psalm 2, verse 8. Just go there, Ian, you the man with the modern-day Bible. You know, the modern-day Bible is no more in a book. It's on the iPad, the iPod, and what, what, and which, what. <laughs> I think it's 2, verse 8. <coughs> Psalm 2, verse 8. And you read it out loud. Um, this season? <coughs> Ian's got a bad cough this morning. Psalm 2, verse 8, I think. Psalm 2 verse 8 says, Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the end of the earth your possession. Alright, now let me go there to Acts, and oh, no, I'm sorry, Psalm verse 2. I've got the wrong, I gave him the wrong verse, that just shows you that it's there, I know it's there, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, does it say there, as the Lord God ordained strength. Psalm 2, what does it say there? 2 verse 8. No, I gave you the wrong psalm then. Just shows you that. Good verse, though. You know, it, 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 it's scripture, it is the very verse. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, as the Lord God ordained strength. Amen. Let me just read it for me, see if I can find it. <laughs> or let's go to Psalm 8. Psalm 8, rather. Oh, yes, Psalm 8 is. Psalm 8, verse 2. Sorry, I've got the other way around, brethren. Sign of old age, forgive me. Sign of old age. <laughs> Psalm 8 verse 2, come read it here, come read it here. Yeah, I've just found it. Yeah. I've got it all reversed, old age, you know. Leave it to the, you see, you see the old need the young? Good verse, though. Um, Wonderful, brother. Let's see, Psalm, uh, yeah, Psalm 8 verse 2, it says, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies, to silence the foe and the avenger. Amen, amen, amen. So out of the mouths of babes and sucklings has the Lord God ordained strength. Amen. You, you, you know, let, 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 let's look at it this way. Let's look at it this way. You, you, you find in churches these days how that they endeavor to, to shut the mouth of, of children, of young men, young girls, 
of ministering the word of God. You're too young. Wait, you've got to go to Bible college. You've got to do this and do that. And we believe all these things are important. We've got to show our, uh, study to show ourselves approved, etc., etc. But my God, when you're born again, when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, no matter how young you are or how old you are, you have the prerogative of God to witness, to preach the word, to prophesy, to foretell. Amen? Now, I'll ask you the question. How old was David when he stood before Goliath? How old was David? Here was, here was an entire army, adult men, generals, lieutenants, colonels, you name it, sergeants, corporals, they were all there. But a young lad that could not qualify because of age entered the army. But who delivered them? Out of the hand of the fowler. Who knew God better than all those men in the army? A little shepherd lad. Amen. We must never ever despise the young. Now, it says your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Let me just give you the scripture that um, Paul speaks of. He says that we must not despise the youth. Paul speaks of this. We must not despise the youth. And I, I, I want to say this to you this morning. We need the visions of the young people. Amen. And when the young people come in on the scene, this is very important, Ian. When the young people come in on the scene, it doesn't mean because they come with vision that the old men must stop dreaming. Hmm. Uh, these are verses from Jeremiah. And um, hmm. if you know Jeremiah, Jeremiah was um, called to speak to the nations. And, um, and it says here in Jeremiah 1, Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am too young. You must go to everywhere I send you to, and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, says the Lord. And then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and throw and to build and to plant. Amen. Good on you, Ian. Good on you. Amen. We must not despise the youth. Let no man despise thy youth, Paul had said to Timothy. And thank God for the scripture that the Lord has laid upon Ian's heart and he read it out to us. You're never too young. However, when we embrace our young into the ministry and make room for them. It's never at the expense of the old folk. When the new, Ian, listen to me, my boy. When the new come in, don't discard the old. Amen. You, you, you gave a classic example. You, you, you were the illustration of what I'm saying now. I'm 65 years old. And thank God for my age. How old are you? 32, Ian. 33. 33. I've had, I've almost had my days. I'm coming to the end of my days. You are coming to your days. 
And what you spoke this morning was a word from God concerning Jeremiah. The emphasis was not too young, I'm too young. So what you've done, you came as a young man and you spoke and you spoke to our internet audience. But look here, you spoke and God used me, used you, but you, you were not used at my expense. God gave you a word, but God doesn't take me now and discard me and says, now, it's no more Dr. Joseph dear Lindy now, it's now Brother Ian Sinclair. The young has replaced the old. No, the old and the young get together and they work together for the Lord. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Amen, amen. Now, it says there, your young men shall see visions. I want to give you an acronym this morning for vision. V-I-S-I-O-N. And we need some young men with new vision, new tenacity. Amen. Vision. Visions inspire spiritual innovation over negativity. V-I-S-I-O-N. I want to say it again. Vision inspires spiritual innovations over negativity. I got that yesterday morning from the Lord. It came like this, my brother and sister. Shoo! Hallelujah. Shoo! Then the old man, the old man that dreams, D-R-E-A-M. Dreams reveal eternal aspirations miraculously. Amen. We've spoken much this morning, and I dare say that we've touched, we have touched but the surface concerning the purpose of the baptism in regards to discrimination against gender and discrimination against age. We're going to conclude this purposes next week. We're going to try and go into detail. We're going to see how Paul sees a woman not teaching, and we're going to see how we see, or the word sees, how that a woman must prophesy. We're going to see how that they blend together. How does it, how does it work in the church? Amen? So, the Lord bless you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you. And I trust that you have seen this morning how that the old and the young work together. A 65-year-old man and a 33-year-old young man. A 65-year-old uh, married man with grandchildren and a 33-year-old that's not married, married as yet, that doesn't need sugar in his tea because he's sweet enough, but he's still waiting for a young lady. <laughs> okay, we're going to pronounce a benediction upon you. Hallelujah. Just stand with us. Trust you were blessed this morning. Trust you were challenged. And if we got excited, we got something to be excited about. Amen, Brother Ian. Oh, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory to God. Now may the good Lord that shows forth no discrimination whatsoever towards people, towards age, towards nations. May he come upon you in a dynamic way. And may he infuse you with the spirit that will love all men, even the unlovable. May God, who is moving in and through his church, give us the understanding that the old can embrace the young. Because if the two work together, the power of the Lord will be made manifest in the church. 
So go with this blessing. Go with the blessing that God is no discriminator. And because no discriminator dwells in you, the baptism into the Holy Ghost, you will be a blessing in the church. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Woo! How was that powerful? Yeah. And you see how we worked to, to, to prove a point? You never knew that. I never knew that. Praise God. Goodbye. Goodbye.